Hey guys, it's Tats here from Castagra, and welcome to the Specified Growth Podcast. Each week, I talk to leaders and experts about how to overcome adversity, grow massive organizations, and how to create meaningful change in the building materials and coatings industry. Today's guest is Huzaifa Matawala. He's the CEO and founder at the Paint Foundation and the president of Region Paints, Inc. Huzaifa, thank you for being on the show. Thank you, Tatsu. It's been a pleasure with you. So yeah, you, you graduated at the University of Mumbai. Tell me about that. So my education happens in Mumbai. And University of Mumbai is, is a huge, huge, huge university. The college I went to was Nithibai College in Juhu, in Vine Parle. But then that college itself also had about 15,000 plus students that time, which is as good as several universities. Yeah. So, I mean, you were in uh, economics and did you start a business right away? What got you into the paint industry? So we are three generations. I'm the third generation in the paint manufacturing business. And I was pursuing uh, commerce, economics, accountancy. I was almost halfway there for the chartered accountancy and cost accountancy, ICWA. A little bit of post-graduation also, but I did not complete anything and I jumped into the factory. I like to be on the chemical floor with the laborers, the technicians and the production part of it really attracted me. So commerce is the background that my formal education is all about. Yeah. Economics. <laughs> For sure. So, I mean, was moving into the family business a natural thing for you or were you pursuing something else and you ended you ended there? Well, this is a very good question. I was pursuing chartered accountancy. Yeah. And I was very good with accounting, with economics, bookkeeping. And I believe that is also one of the core significant element for any successful business model or understanding the finances. So, but eventually the path that I wanted to do is do something little out of, out of the basics, something which is not very stereotype. And what I realized is it was more value for me to do something for my own business instead of writing accounts and helping and building other businesses of other people in that given point of time that we always had. So entrepreneurship, industrial industries was always something that I was attracted to. And I find myself doing that today. And the education but that had in chartered accountancy, the costing, the economics and everything is extremely helpful. and very significant. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, when you came into the business, which are you running that business right now or are you, how are you affiliated with that organization now? Yeah. So I, I have my manufacturing plants. I have my distribution network. We have a few shops and we have a distribution towards those particular network. This is the manufacturing business part of it. We trade into several paint-related raw materials. We trade in different kind of paints that we don't produce. That's a business model that we are into currently. 
And this is all passed through the generation. This business was always there, even before I joined. And I took this. What I have done a little bit more different compared to what we had a generation prior to me is trying to bring it here and connect these dots in the international markets ah. and try to enhance the sustainability aspect of the business. Yeah, Trying to create a network whereby a manufacturer is able to reuse, recycle, reduce the carbon footprint, bring the products into the circular economy. And so this is something that I was able to do with the paint industry because we were always in the paint industry. But like I always say, you know, I mean, the other industries also, if they could come up with a program, a few industrialists within that particular industry could come up with a program of recycling, reducing the waste generation, keep their products into their economy instead of sending it to a landfill or a fuel burial place. We could create a huge amount of difference, do a little bit of charity work, community service, could go a long, long, long way in helping. Yeah, for sure. So you said international markets. So is your international market focused North America? I believe you're based here, right? Yeah, I'm here, right here in New York. And when I when I talk to you, I mean, what I see out of my window is the Statue of Liberty, right from where I am. So this is a wonderful place. I've been in the U.S. for the last last five years, and I like being here. And this is the land of opportunities, as always said, and I could feel it. There is a huge amount of potential into sustainability, into recycling on this part of the world. But from where I come from, where I have my markets, where I have my customer base, there is a huge requirement of any kind of paint, any kind of coatings that could be done. So what I'm trying to do is trying to bridge the gap, create sustainability in that part of the world by creating recycling and circular economy and avoiding wastages in this part of the world. So business is the same, but the way we do it always keeps evolving. Mm, Okay. Well, walk me through what it currently looks like. I think you have a foundation and then I guess you have your manufacturing side. How, How does that all fit together? So where we work as a nonprofit, 501c3 in the US, this is a nonprofit foundation. We are able to receive and recycle a lot of paint-related waste, unusables, non-saleables, off-spec items, mistinned items, be it raw material, be it paint-related products, be it products that are expired in so many cases, batches that have gone wrong. So we are providing solutions in the paint coating industry, paint raw material industry over here. As a foundation, what we do is we encourage companies, corporations, store owners, shop painting contractors, counties, paint recycling companies, paint transporting companies who haul the waste also, and try to explain them our processes try to receive material from them as a nonprofit, explaining the reuse ability of the item, which previously never existed for them. 
in some cases, putting our proprietary formulations in place, our techniques in place to be able to extract some material before it goes to a land stream in a particular way that it gets usable. So without getting much detailed and, and in depth into it, but so this is what the Paint Foundation does. This is what I do. And being part of this industry on a technical foot, being in so many places, a heavy experience of 53 years plus, I think we are, I find myself very fortunate to be able to produce solutions to the corporations as a non-profit where they could write off the 501c3 fair market value of the items that we pick up from there. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So when you pick up these items, I know I was looking on the website, you're able to sort of collect some of the value. And then I guess you sell these items to raise money for the foundation to continue its work. Is that how it works, the business model to the foundation? Yeah. So how it works with the foundation, we pick up the material X location from the particular industry or a shop or a factory or a warehouse. And we bring it to our facilities for reuse. These products, in 99.9% of the cases, do not end up into another markets for direct use. We bring it to the facilities. Most of the times of what we receive, we have to rework over it because either it is expired or it is misprint or it is not usable. And then once it comes to our facilities, we rework them and then we bring it back into the developing economies. Currently, this is what we find it more easier. I got it. There is another way of bringing it back into the US, bringing it back into Canada, putting it back into European communities. But then the requirement for a quality product in those locations is very huge. So currently, these items end up into the needy communities globally at a 10% or a 15% of the market price, which otherwise it would have been. So putting affordable paint in the community is one objective. And the paint manufacturing and the other locations where, from where we pick up the paint are able to participate in the program as a donor. This program never existed before we thought of doing this correctly as a charity event. And uh, they get a 501c3 write-off at a fair market value from their profits for the items that we collect from them. So this is one of the very good advantages that we have. Yeah, that makes sense. And then I guess, like you said, if the color is off or it's a non-standard thing, then the, the rework stuff is minimal. You're probably just managing expectations through the supply chain. So how do you, how do you know... How do manufacturers and people know what, what you accept and what you don't? Because there's all sorts of different types of paints and coatings. How do you communicate what, to people what, what they can send back? There are so many things we are able to take. And mostly with the paint industry, what we receive is the off-spec batches. We receive the mistints. We receive the expired inventories that could no longer be used by the particular manufacturers to create a product as per the specifications to go in the market and not have any complaints from. But we are, since we are accepting quite a lot of these items, we are creating products and there are so many places we can go wrong because everything that we have as a raw material is out of spec. 
So creating an in-spec product from out-of-spec is a very big challenge. But we, unlike most of the recycling companies, our contents are not more than 40 to 50 to 60% of the recycled. We do not use 95% or 100% of the recycled items. So we have a wide category of rectifying the mistakes by using other formulations and putting it. But there are so many things I could, we would be doing with so many items that we receive. We could not compete in a 20-hour podcast also. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I guess with manufacturers, I guess you tear off the labels and stuff to protect the brand or like create your own private label or does it just ship overseas as is? Like how do any manufacturers any have any concerns there? Yeah, so it goes to our facilities from the manufacturing plants in as-is boxes that they have and the tearing of the labels opening the cans, sorting it color-wise, happens in our facilities. We do not even use the same can. We do not put a black mark or we do not rip off the label. We change the cans altogether. We put, we open the cans, we put them into our batches of production and use the items in the particular case. If the product is absolutely clean, there is no issue with it. In most of the cases, we would end up changing a brand just changing a can and then putting it back. But we have our own brands in place. We have a brand of region paints that we've been doing. And we also have a brands of the paint foundation now. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, if you, if you do it as, as a, the foundation, then that, that makes sense. I don't know what the adoption is and the success or what you need to accomplish to get to the next level. Like, can you give me an idea of the adoption of the manufacturers? Are you working with some of the bigger ones or? Like, how, how does that look for you? My, the paint foundation is barely 10 months old as of today. Ah, okay. But the 2020 was the time where most of the ships were having issues with so many things going wrong and the entire world changing upside down. That was a time we decided to create a platform within the industry to try to cater most of the problems within our reach. So most of the larger manufacturers are extremely keen, interested. They've started loading with uh, quite a few of the manufacturers and they are very happy. And, and as I told you, this kind of a program never existed before because as, as beautiful as it sounds, it is extremely complex at the same time. But I will find myself really fortunate to be able to do this and make it a success. So we are having some very good feedbacks and people, manufacturers, store owners, they love the fact that now their paint is no longer ending up in a fuel burial or a land, fuel blending or a land burial site. And with their waste, if they are able to be a part of a circular economy and a charity program, it couldn't have been better. Great. Yeah, it's great to think. Now, I looked on your profile and you look like you're part of every single coding and paint association in the world. How do you find the time to, to be a part of all those groups? Yes, this is really interesting because the basic idea was to put it across everywhere. And I am not born in the United States. I'm from India. I'm born there. So Indian Paint and Coating Association is my home ground. Then I do business in Dubai. I have a manufacturing unit over there. 
and the Middle East connects with Africa so correctly. So if you if you are a paint manufacturer in Dubai and you do not ship overseas into African and European countries, then you're not utilizing the advantage of being in that location. So that is how I connect over there. And we've been dealing with American and Canadian companies for the last 12 to 13 years. And coming over here was a correct decision that I did because now we are able to face the problems with more stronger solutions, more app programs crafted for individual industries, knowing them more nicely. So this is all uh, unplanned rather, but it is all going in the good direction for a good cause. So there is, it's nice. Yeah. So I'm, I'm guessing just the way that you talk about it, you have a production facility in the U.S. We currently not producing in the U.S. Okay. But we have contracted in the U.S. with the U.S.-based companies. Yeah. And we ship the material from the U.S. to our facilities in Africa, in India, in, in Middle East for okay. reworking purposes. And when we take that, we only take the items we are able to use. So I'm very yeah. picky and very precise of picking up the right items that knowingly that we are able to work on it. I guess so. So you sell your Regent paints in the North America, I'm assuming. Are they being imported? Is that how, how it's working? Yes. So we've, we've tried to bring in a few containers of Regent paints from Dubai previously, yeah. four or five years ago. Yeah. And the product is good. It is as per the market standards. But it was more easy for us to recycle the product from here. The brand recognition in United States, Canada, and Europe is very good with the original brands. Yeah. And I somehow did not want to bring in a conflict with the existing brand owners because I would be recycling for them also. So putting up region paints into the US shelves and stores was not a criteria, a primary business model for us. As of not at least as of now, you never say never, we could end up bringing a good amount of quantities of paint and looking at the market scenario where there's a huge shortage, I think we could be of use to the painting communities and the store owners over here. You never know what, what could happen, but as of yeah. today, we are so good with recycling, producing paints and shipping it to all the other countries across the world. Yeah, so I, is the bulk of your activity, I guess it sounds like, is the nonprofit, right? And how it pertains to helping these communities that you also ship your other commercial products. Is that a correct characterization? Yeah, if you look what we do within the US, yes. Recycling is one of our core strong competence and the kind of thing we are interested in doing also more in the future. Selling new paints in the American market, there are already great players here. So yeah. I, I currently do not see myself doing that. But recycling, yes, that is something that we are able to do so very nicely. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, essentially, your business is overseas, but you came here with the sole vision of of recycling and contributing to the environment. Is that, that, that sounds like what you did. Yeah, being in the recycling industry, I think even 30 years ago, as a medium scale, small scale manufacturer, did not come as an option of circular economy or doing it because it is greener, safer for the community or the environment. 
In fact, it was the model on what our business survived in those days. Mm. Getting off-spec items from the larger paint manufacturers, larger paint raw material manufacturers, bringing into our facility at a zero value, lesser price, half the market price, trying to apply some chemistry, try to make a paint out of it, make it work, make it sell, finding markets for it. And then eventually, when I turn back and look on the other side of the globe, turns out is an actual massive problem in the developing countries with these items, which was my business model. So everything connected so easily for me. And then it's just trying to put programs in place whereby we are able to benefit most of them and and create a business model out of it on the other side. Got it. I get it. You basically, this is additional supply to go into your thing. You aligned a nonprofit with your core business and people get tax benefits on the front end, but on the back end, it provides you supply into your core markets. Is that correct? Yeah. So now when this happens, we have to be very, we are extremely careful dealing with the nonprofit 501c3, that there is no conflict of interest in whatever we do. So Whatever we are able to do with the 501c3 as a donation or a charity, we make sure that it ends up into the places of donation and charity with the promise that we pick it up. So those items eventually do not end up as a raw material for the supply of a commercial product into the community. But yes, as a nonprofit, we are able to receive the items, we create product of use, and we try to bring in a lower cost items into several, several communities give a lot of free paint and come up with the programs that are beneficial to the society great well i i love your vision i love that you've made that commitment to be in north america because i know i guess it must be hard sometimes to manage the rest of your business in being here right i mean obviously there's a trade-off so appreciate you doing this to solve the problems here so That's wonderful. Is there any last things you want to pass on or anything I didn't ask that you wanted to share? Yeah, so one thing that the sphere that we're currently doing is a million liters of paint donation drive. So we are committed to deliver at least a million liters of paint into the communities of use as a donation. Wonderful. This program initially started by able to receive a 501c3 tax deposit donation from the community manufacturers and dealers, whereby a paint factory contributes one part of the donation and the paint foundation of a group. We try to make sure we put in 15 to 16 more parts and put in a product of $8 on an average retail market value for the 53 cents donation received. This is this is one this is one aspect of the recycling million dollar donation. But then further, we are also trying to develop a program whereby all the revenue that the paint foundation gets, we create paint out of it, or the total amount of revenue. Mm. So for example, if, if there's just a rough idea, if the $10 million of turnover of the paint foundation, the receipts for the recycling received from the people, the paint foundation should be able to put in $10 million of free paint into the community. Now, this is something that we're trying to work on and looks like we will be able to do this. And this is everything coming with the background and the expertise into manufacturing, costing, commerce, economics, and accountancy from where we started the conversation. Wonderful. Well, 
That's wonderful. I, I, I continue to root for you and I'll do whatever I can to, to help promote what you guys are doing. Yeah, thank you, Tatsuya. It's been a pleasure knowing you. It's been a pleasure being on your show today. And thank you so much for it. Yes, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for listening to the Specified Growth Podcast today. I also want to thank the listeners who are working hard each day to change the world to make it a better place. Make sure you check out youtube.com forward slash Cats Talks for video of today's podcast. Hit the subscribe button for upcoming episodes, entrepreneurial tips, and more. See you over there. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.